Open your eyes. This is America. The greatest nation on Earth. Where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown-skinned filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. I want to build an orphanage. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. Even the Pope cannot protect you from what may come. I am unashamed. What about you? Well, we're back, even though we technically didn't go anywhere. Just, <laughs> you know, we've explained this before to the audience, but it's, especially you guys that listen and don't actually look at us on camera like the YouTubers do. Um, we do, we record two podcasts in a row. So for you, it's been two days have passed for the listener. But for us, we that that two, that two was days was about five, five minutes. minutes. <laughs> so we're still here. We're still studying and going forward. I mean, look, we're, I don't know, for some reason, when you get to the death of Jesus and the trials and all the different people's responses. And I mean, you feel like, you don't want to get this wrong here. I mean, you, you, and you want to open up all the different avenues. You got four different writers who gave four different perspectives of the same thing. But this is where we, all our chips have moved in to this. This is the son of God dying for the sins of the world, which includes our personal individual sins. And we're trying, one of the things that we're doing in the way we study is we want to, relate this to you guys because a lot of our listeners Bible study is new to you. So when you're studying something like we are in the book of Mark, you that's why we keep bouncing around to Matthew, to Luke and to John, because you want that composite. You get the whole big picture. My word to happening. everybody is read the last two chapters. We're in the last chapter of Mark. Now the last two chapters talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew did it. Mark did it. Luke did it. John did it. Start right there, and as soon as you get past that in the book of Acts, read the first paragraph. So from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if they're in front of you, you say, make sure you get those four things nailed down. Same story, same person, Jesus, what he said he would do, he did do. What he's now doing at the right hand of God, he's doing that. So you get to Acts, just read the first first chapter or two, a couple of chapters there, a couple of chapters in Roman. But every, everything you'll find out centers around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Right. Everything comes back to that. That's why, and Jace is right, and that is too, that's why this is so important. So I want to just go back, <clears throat> and so in the last podcast, we had already looked at Mark's account. Last podcast, we looked at Luke's. Matthew's, we didn't really go to because it's almost the same as Mark's. They're very similar. And we went through that book 100 podcasts ago. <clears throat> and we studied it. So uh, I want to mention three other things in John that we haven't mentioned yet. And, and you can read it on your own, but we're not read the whole text. Because one of the ways people mark Jesus on the cross is he said seven different things when he was on the cross that are recorded. I mean, obviously, he's, he probably said more that's not recorded. One in Mark we already mentioned, which was also a prophecy fulfillment, is when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, that's Psalm 22, one. We talked about that. We talked about that. So then in Luke, <clears throat> we had we had three more. We had, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Then also he tells the thief, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then he also says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, which is just before he dies. He says those words. In Luke, I mean, in John, in John 19, uh, 16 through 37 is the whole, t- or actually 25 through 37, he says three other things. Um, one is there's this little intimate moment 
where we actually see John is there, which is interesting because at this point we hadn't seen any other disciples. But John has made his way there, and he's standing with mother, his mother Mary. And so he looks to him, and he tells Mary, he said, Dear woman, here is your son. Because remember, Jesus is the oldest son. Normally, this would pass to the next oldest brother to take care of mom, you know, because we think she's a widow because we don't ever read anything about Joseph. So he's like taking care of family business, which really – yeah. It's pretty powerful when you yeah, think about really it in that moment because like these are these are traditional Jewish family things that you would do to make sure your mom's taken care of. And here's the son of God dying on a cross for the sins of the world. But he looks down and sees his mom and his best friend. And he's like, okay, this is your son now. And then he looks at him and says, here's your mother. And so he basically is saying, John, I want you to take care of mom. He also knows that John is going to outlive all the other disciples. Because he's going to be there for the revelation. Says that at the end of John. Exactly. Peter wasn't quite sure about that, so Jesus was like, "Hey, what's that to you?" <laughs> it's pretty funny. It, it is kind of funny. Not really, but it just you can't help but laugh that Peter's always just represents really. I think a lot of members of our family. Right. We we tend to speak first and then deal with the consequences later. <laughs> but I love it in this moment. This this family connection. Because Jesus didn't just, a lot of people view him becoming a human being as just, well, you know, it's almost like a little temporary, he just had a body for a while and came to do his job. And no, he was fully one of us. He loved his mother, mm-hmm. like we all do, you know, and he, and he, and he in the moment he sees her knowing that he was going to have to die because he's told her too. But still, and it's Knowing just, her sadness. Yeah. And feeling it, exactly right, just like you did with Martha and Mary and Lazarus in, in that whole situation. So I just thought that was a really tender moment, and John's the only one that mentions it uh, because he was there, so he would know about it. Um, in verse 28 of chapter 19, he said, I am thirsty. And that was the thing about they kept trying to take him the vinegar, remember? But that's a fulfillment of a prophecy in Psalm sixty-nine twenty-one, which is why he said, I'm thirsty. He didn't take the vinegar. He just said, I'm thirsty. So, you know, but that was all a setup for the. Which goes back to that John 5 passage I kept bringing up, which is these scriptures testified about him. Even the one when they, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, people that heard that, they said, he's calling Elijah. Yeah. You know, we didn't talk about that, but Mark 15 says that in verse uh, 35. And then they said, when they brought the wine vinegar and put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink, they they said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. And then with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. So I'm assuming they got that from the prophecy where, uh, you know, John the Baptist would come in the spirit of Elijah. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they had heard about the transfiguration where Elijah appeared. But I do think that's interesting that they were they were interested in the prophecies. They were just having trouble realizing that he is the fulfillment of these prophecies yeah. because it didn't fit their narrative. We've said this a thousand times in the last few podcasts about the coming king. They wanted a conqueror, right. not a weak, beaten, persecuted person on a cross. And let's face it, their thought process was, if we're going to have a Messiah, a leader that's going to establish an everlasting kingdom and covenant like they've been looking forward to, he can't die at 33. Yes, alive. Which is why I think they were bringing up Elijah, because you remember the significance about Elijah. He didn't die. He didn't die. That's they exactly. liked Elijah. Yeah. We don't want somebody that's going to die. Well, if you don't want somebody that's going to die... You're never going to die in your mind spiritually. You're not going to surrender. But guess what's going to happen in reality? The truth. Talking about absolute truth. You're going to die one way or another. And you know, the irony of it, Jace, is that John the Baptist did come. The Bible says in the spirit of Elijah. Mm -hmm. And and yet they didn't listen to him either. No. (laughs) So Elijah did come. But you're like, nope. No, because ultimately what happened to John the Baptist? Cut well, his head off. People don't want to follow headless people. That's right. It, you know, they don't want to follow kings who are crucified. It's pretty amazing that, that John chapter 20, just below there, verse 9, 
they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Yeah. They still didn't. According to John, well, they, I cut they, them more slack than you because look, it's just not in our nature to believe. You know, human beings, even today, people, it's not in their nature to believe that you can come back from the dead with a body, no matter how many times they've been to church. Now, they might acknowledge it, but to believe that in reality, it's, Evidently, it, it, it's a tough it, sale. It's a difficult thing to say. Everything we see dies, and you don't see them anymore. Right. And if you do... Then we get into ghosts, and but somebody just walking down the street who was dead three days later, I mean three days before. <laughs> John is talking about himself. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went 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 inside. He saw and he believed. They still didn't understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead. It's a tough sell. It is, and and, and we get it. <clears throat> Jesus is right. I mean, we death were, is pretty final in all the cases, but this one. <laughs> and I'm sure all three of us would have had the same disbelief, you know, because there you are. Well, so remember when the uh, the women who and I made this point before, uh, Missy had actually listened to this, and she's like, "You need to clarify that because you weren't clear." So, okay, <laughs> babe, I will try. <laughs> I made a point one time saying that I thought it was interesting. This is your arms, arms budsman. Yep. I made a point to say that there was a group of women. I'm going to try to clarify this for my lovely wife because she said that was not clear when you said that in the podcast. That if you were looking at this from a historical viewpoint, did this happen? So just what I'm fixed to say, leave in that context or you're going to miss this. The only people who physically saw with their own eyes Jesus die at the cross, they saw him being buried, as in the dead body, mm -hmm. and his resurrection were a group of women. That's right. Now, everybody else were in parts of that. Right. Well, the reason I'm making a big deal about this is because if you were trying to prove that Jesus really did this and you went to a court of law, that group of women would be your most key witnesses. And they can't testify. Well, they couldn't testify. <laughs> because they're women. But they saw, they would be the key witnesses in reality because they saw each leg of the journey. Because if you didn't see him die and you just saw the barrel, they'd say, well, how do you know that's really him? That's somebody else's body. Mm -hmm. What are you trying to claim that somebody came back from the dead. And how do you know he really he? died and didn't just Well, if swim? you saw him, yeah, that's right. Do you know for a fact where I wasn't there? Well, you weren't there because they switched the bodies. So I was only bringing that up, and I heard somebody else give that dissertation because the point I was making was if you were making this up back in their culture, the last thing you would do would get would have your key witnesses be a group of women whose testimony was worthless anyway. It's invalid. You would never say, okay, well, I'll tell you what, let's do the opposite thing of what gives this credibility, which is to have a group of women who saw each leg of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. Because then everybody will read that and say, well, it must have happened because we have a group of people. Well, you wouldn't do that because they, they didn't take the first few hundred years, no one would take their testimony. It was way testimony. more persecution than them not being able to vote. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you yeah. think women have been oppressed in the last couple hundred years, and, and, and rightfully so. You go back to that culture, and nobody oh. paid any attention to what they were saying. And so I just made the point, because the point that I heard was, it tends to make you believe this really happened, because if you were making it up, it's the exact opposite thing that you would do to to create validation. Oh, you'd so have famous guys up there. Well, yeah, you would logically conclude this happened. So uh, let's take a break. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. 
politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. So, so there's my it, clarification. But, but, you understand my clarification? I got it. Yeah. Okay. And I, I got it the first time, but it's good to have an ombudsman to keep you in line. Well, since she is a woman, I think she was representing women historical wide. Yeah. So it'd be a little more clear on what your point was. So I, <laughs> yeah. there was my second attempt. Well, so what I love about it, though, Jace, the only way that makes sense, one, is that it really happened. But two, it also shows you that Jesus came for everybody. And you're right, Dad. So you, you look at the famous people and the important people that were in that same setting, the elders, the teachers of the law, the fair, they were all there. Oh, yeah. And they were heaping insults, and they didn't believe, and they were trashing Jesus. Yep. But it, these women, were they believed it. And then this thief believed it. And then this Roman centurion believed it and said, surely this was the Son of God. So Jesus is even showing in his death, surrounded by all these people that have been looking forward to his coming for hundreds of years that missed it. And then here are these people that society wouldn't even accept, his society, Jewish society. Yep. It's amazing. That that there they were, believing that he and was. from himself. there, <clears throat> it went worldwide and is still here. That's right. It's still going. So I wanted to mention one more. <clears throat> I didn't mention the last one in, in John 19.30, the seventh thing he said. So either before or after he said the one where he said, um, you know, into your hands I commit your spirit in Luke. He also said, John recorded, it is finished. And so, you know, a lot has been made. I've heard a lot of sermons based on that one line because really in that moment when he died, it, it was finished. I mean, death now had a whole new meaning. Yep. Sacrifice. So, and I want to talk a little bit about that sort of the 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 purpose of the crucifixion because we, we've like gave you a good picture of the actual happening of it. But this thing accomplished a lot. There was there were a lot there was a lot going into that moment. And when he dies, gives himself up for us, everything changes. You know, from yep. a, from a cosmic point of view. I mean, and heaven changes, earth changed, opportunities we're changed now two thousand years later because of what happened. And we studied a lot in different books we've studied. One of the things that happened in that moment is he fully became our sacrifice. The Bible calls it the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But he had to die for us to be able to be atoned, you know, yep. that atonement to work. And so this was a Jewish concept that came forward, of this idea about sacrifice. But he became the lamb. He became the sacrifice. So it was one thing that's happened. And I'll give you a couple of references. You can read that in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And so that's when it happened. Hebrews 10, 10 uh, is another one. But he was also a substitute for justice and judgment. In that moment, he took our judgment because death was the result of sin. So he was judged, so we don't have to be. And you say, well, wait a minute, I thought the Bible says we're all just. Well, we are, but we already know he died for us. So the judgment that we would face because of sin, Ooh. the moment he said it is finished, if we believe in him, that's it. Yep. We don't fear that. And then the- It's a wonderful <clears throat> place to be in Jesus. It's fantastic. And then the other one I had written down, Jace, was he was our reconciliation. Uh, he made peace with God. You get that from Colossians 1, 19 through 22. He himself, it said by his death on the cross, became the reconciler. He he put us back in the right relationship with the Godhead. So all that happened at his death, which you think about it. I mean, that's that's, that's a lot of amazing things that happened when God he said God made his, him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That's it. Man, what a what a story. I'll probably add it. He defined 
love here. I mean, oh, there's got, a lot more, right? Yeah, oh, right. Cause you gotta, you gotta remember, like you, you take this from a worldly viewpoint. How does the world define love? Well, any movie you watch, it's like when they go have sex. That's yeah. like the culmination. Oh, they're falling in love, and they show the sex scene. And that's right. about the extent, that's about the extent of it, sadly. And you know, here when you start talking about love and. First Corinthians thirteen is patient, it's kind, it's not self-seeking, it's re- all, all the things, the qualities of First Corinthians thirteen were displayed on the cross. It That's keeps right. no record of wrongs. It always protects. It perseveres. I mean, he did that for us, combined with what you said in in justice. And to your point, Paul even made the point when when everything boils down, you got three things: faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So. His love and the love he now that we have for other people is greater than our faith and our hope, according to Paul. Because you got to ask yourself, why did he do this? Of all the things he could have done, you know, why did he choose to do this? I mean, I can't think of another explanation other than love. Yeah, for us was, and, and the to demonstrate his justice. Wasn't it uh, John thirteen when he told his disciples, "Greater." The greatest thing you can do is greater love. love no other man has than to lay down, down his life, life. you know, <clears throat> his friends, I think you said. Yeah. And uh so yeah, I mean I I, I mean look, there's you could write down a hundred things, but that, that that is what culminates in new beginning when you said reconciliation. Cause even in marriage or in friendships and the biggest struggle is how to start over once somebody does you wrong. Yeah. Well, without forgiveness. I'm not sure you can. I mean, it's impossible. So this is this was God's qualities all being revealed in one act, and and it was quite the act. But because you talk about justice, you talk about love, uh, even an example for you know greatness and and success, because that humble him humbling himself, you know, pride. Just try to go through life being prideful in everything. Let me know how that works out. I mean, you you will fall. I mean, you you're you're headed off a cliff, right? Because it just it will not work without that humility. You know, it's interesting, Jace, because in the chosen uh, Dallas Jenkins and those guys do a good job with this. The symbol right after all this happened for Christians to know each other was a fish. Was there were several, but a fish was the main thing because it. I guess the the early fishermen, you know, fishers of men, the fish became a little code thing for them. But cross, nobody thought about the cross until much later, you know, because it was still being used as an execution device. So the cross wasn't revered the way it is today because of our recognition. Now, when you look around, everybody's wearing a cross. There's crosses on the interstate. Mm. But in their day, that was just a place where the Son of God died. See what I'm saying? And so they were much more focused on what do we do now in that moment. So I think it's interesting that that has become our symbol. But the reason why is what we're talking about here, because so much happened on that cross. Well, and the fact that he, when he became a human and his plan, he was a carpenter. And so in, yeah, that's the, another in the physical way, and he recruited a bunch of fishermen. Mm-hmm. Well, you're seeing all this became something that we think about because that was god's plan i mean you just think this all those boards that he was building things in his early life you know he had to be thinking in the back of his mind this this meaningless task that that you know being a carpenter you just think you're not you build little houses and tables and different things you're actually going to have nails and wood involved in your death for the salvation of the world i mean that is just Incredible. That's right. And that's, I think, why it became such a symbolic thing, the irony of that. That's right. Yeah. And and you're right. That's And even I was thinking about that when you said that, as one of our podcast listeners built us this table um, that, that we use for our podcast, and it came, the wood in there here came out of the back of a tractor trailer rig, which is, it's amazing because so many truckers listen to our podcast. It is one fine table. It is a fine table. So yeah. thank you for doing that for us. It was pretty amazing. Um, let's take another break. So, Jace, I wanted to t- get to the burial, unless there was something else you were going to say about 
No, I've been waiting for this because look, I made a comment uh, a couple of podcasts ago, and and I kind of want to clarify that because there's two fundamental beliefs. Because you don't want to get get into too much controversy and when when discussing these matters and miss the overall point. This is this is the gospel. This is what saved us. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Well, the least talked about thing on that is the actual burial. Yeah. And uh, so one, you know, the go-to, I guess, is the burial was significant in that it proved he was dead. It wasn't like, because a lot of people say, well, he didn't really die. He was just asleep. You know, three days, that's a long nap. I mean, I, I think he he did just, in essence, the wait the three days for us in that there was no doubt he was dead. I mean, he died. Right. So then the question comes up, well, what, where did he go? What did he do? Because there's a couple of passages that seem to imply that there was some activity here. Uh, you know, in the, I don't know how we want to, how deep we want to go into this, but most people believe that when you die, there's like a waiting place. So when he told the, uh, when he told the thief, today, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, most scholars say, well, that wasn't heaven, heaven. That was like the waiting place for the the one who died. So if you're in good standing, you would you would be in the arms, you know, of the Lord in this spiritual. How would you describe that spiritual? Uh, um, yeah, medium place. You know, medium place. Right. And so now, let's say you were outside of Christ, you would also go to a waiting place that was not quite as accommodating. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Sheol. They had terrible or, magazines in this waiting room. Well, right. <laughs> now, for a lot of you laugh and say, well, this is just kind of crazy to believe. I don't know if I can believe that. Well, you'll have to get into the Greek words of the, there's a lot of different words for hell yeah. and uh, death. And, you know, you have Hades and Sheol. Sheol. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all these. Now, look, you can and go And, of course, down, a modern, I don't know how modern the word is, but the, a, a more recent word is purgatory. You hear that a lot with different groups, you know, that that's yeah. another word they put up. But I will say this. I think it's a valid question, and we want to talk about it because I think everybody wants to know where what happened to Jesus during these three days. And what I was going to reference is a couple podcasts ago, I referenced myself. I said, like, that I said that Jesus, in quotation marks, went to hell for us. Well, I want to clarify that because there is a belief that that people believe that Jesus went to actual hell and preached a sermon, and they base this on 1 Peter First 3. Peter we'll read it in a minute. And they base it on Ephesians 4 when it talks about Jesus ascending. It said he led captives on his train. And there is a reference in 2 Peter, which we're going to study first in 2 Peter next, so we'll mm -hmm. get in more detail, that says some of the uh, angels and and uh, rebe rebels in the spiritual world were bound, and it says they were they were put in dungeons and prisons. Where's that at, Al? Second Peter two. Two, yeah, it's uh, verse four. So the reason I'm bringing this it up said it sent them to hell, but then also there's a Greek word here, Tartarus, um, this place, putting them in gloomy dungeons. Or chains of darkness is what someone said to be held. So read the first Peter three one two. So I mean, if we're going to go ahead and go into this, well, let's go all the way with it. All right. Uh, um, yeah. So it says we'll start. I guess in verse eighteen, three eighteen. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom, and there's a reference through which or through whom. Also, he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, uh, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. So, so look, if you're listening to that for the first time, you're like, oh, well, it's well, I mean, there it is. <laughs> right. He went, he was preaching. That's the captives. He freed these people in prison. So here's here's my take. Uh, if you go back and read in the Gospels, everything that is written, 
Well, we just read, he told the uh, thief, well, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yep. Well, which one is true? Did we not go to paradise or are we going down to the spirits? And uh, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Well, did his spirit not go to the Father? Seems pretty clear that it went to the Father. Sounds and, like that's what he's in. So you say, well, didn't you say that he went to hell? And, and here's what I said, and here's what I believe. Uh, first of all, anybody who claims to have the three days of Jesus' burial figured out 100% clear, he's a bald-faced liar. Because <laughs> you're, I'm just being honest. I don't think we're supposed to know that, because he would have been more clear. Right. It's not clear. I think everyone should agree with that. And I think if you could have the ability to understand that, uh, you would that would give you some kind of God complex. He, he didn't reveal that in detail. So here's what I think. Uh, I think symbolically he did experience hell-like uh, existence, and I say symbolically, because he became, he took our punishment, our payment, and I do agree with some of that uh, teaching in that, because if Jesus hadn't died, we're going to hell. That's I mean, right. let's just be honest. So him being abandoned by the Father, him being punished, and him having to experience death for the three days, that was hell-like in that it was our punishment. So I said symbolically, because I don't think it was the, I don't think he went to literal hell because Jesus didn't do anything wrong. People go to hell because of God's just justice and judgment based on you committing a sin. So the reason I'm basing that, I, I did this earlier, but now I think we'll give you the fuller context. So when in Acts 2, when Peter gets up and preaches the first gospel sermon, which is Jesus revealed after the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2. So if you hadn't you know, studied the Bible in detail, stop what you're doing, read the whole chapter of one, you know, Acts 1 and, and Acts 2, because I'm just going to hit the high points. And there's some he makes some references to what happened while Jesus was in this burial state, and that's what I want to bring out. So in verse uh, 22, he starts talking about Jesus. Verse 23 said this was God's purpose. This was planned for knowledge. And with the help of wicked men, he was put to death by an end to the cross. That's Acts 2.23. But God raised him from the dead. Now I want you to watch this next phrase. Free, so he raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. So Peter characterized that three days, as there was some agony here. That's why I'm saying symbolically, I do believe that he experienced some kind of payment for our transgressions, because that's where we would head if he hadn't died and been buried. I don't think he would use that phrase if there was not some something negative about his position there. It, it says he freed him from the agony of being dead. But now watch this, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Well, we know that because he had the spirit, it was impossible for him to be dead. But he was dead for three days. So that's why I said, if you claim to understand how all that works, I, I don't really believe you because God cannot die. But he did. So which is it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that in a way that's humanly rational, other than Jesus taking our place. He's God and man. He did die. He was buried, which was agonizing for God because he can't die, but he did. So he was freed. So you see where I'm going with mm -hmm. this? Yep. So the last thing I want to read uh, is, is in verse of Acts 2, verse 31. See on what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave. So there it is again. Those three days, he was abandoned to the grave. His body. His correct. body, yeah. Nor did his body see decay. Now, that's another thing. That's why I don't believe he actually was in literal hell, for the same reason that his body, according to this, did not decay. Right. Because it's impossible for God to die. So... I said all that to say this. What I think the First Peter 3 reference is about the 
spirits, uh, preaching to the spirits. And, and what I think the Ephesians 4 is about leading captives on his train, and, and in reference to the angelic world being locked up in prison, I do think that God, in that three-day period, bound a lot of uh, demons and angelic world who were, I, I believe there was a bonding going on there. Now, so when I hear that leading captives on his on his train, he bound them in the same way I feel like post Jesus, I mean, uh, pre Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, you know, the demons could possess people not by choice. They, it just could happen. There was no binding here. People <clears throat> were demon possessed, but I believe something happened when Jesus died and was buried and resurrected. There was a binding that occurred in the world that we can't see. Let's take a break. Which would also explain, Jace, why there seemed to be so much demonic activity around the years Jesus was here, and the most ever, most yeah. ever. I mean, we we don't, you don't. I mean, of course, the Bible records it because it's talking about him, but you don't ever hear this much demonic activity no. since then or before then. We never. Now, having said that, do I believe that happens in some capacity today? I really do. Sure, but I don't think it's happening. Uh, as freely, you know, because I do think you have verses like resist the evil one and he'll flee from you. I do believe there's some restrictions put on that. Mm. And so, you know, I, I believe in the innocence. I believe kids are innocent. You know, no matter what's happened to them and what's done to them, I, I, I believe that, you know, there is a, a buffer for a protection against the spiritual world. And it all happened in the death, burial, and resurrection. So, I mean, look, I know that was a long speech, and I know y'all know all that, but I, I basically felt like if we're going to talk about it, let's go ahead and talk about it. Because it's, <clears throat> it's such a widely debated you know, topic, I, I think you were right to bring it up. My take is from the Peter passage is, is the more simple take is that when he, he talks about the Spirit and, and speaking to these people in the days of Noah, I think he meant the spirit of the same spirit Noah had is the kind of spirit we're talking about. You know, the Holy and spirit. I don't have a problem with that. <clears throat> right. I really, the translators now we're getting real technical here, but I feel like we should, you know, they, there's a word now in most translations, it says the spirits that, uh, see, they put the word now in there. Let me go over there and look at it. I would just say now from, it, they say the spirits that are now in prison. Well, that word now, that's not in there. It's not in there. So they put it in there because they don't know what it means either. They're right. trying to clarify. Right. But if you take I'll, the word now out, well, it could be what Al was talking about. In the same spirit, whatever was being preached in, which in was the salvation. days of Noah right. represented the shadow that Jesus would have the same. And look, it's probably rebellion and sinful exactly. and violence. And I, I would just simply say for everyone involved, make sure whatever you think about these texts, some of them are a little bit Difficult to understand. But make sure at the end of the day, you put your faith in Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Well, right. Exactly. And exactly. go on about your business. Wherever he was. We're not going to know every little detail no, about you're what right. happened to Jesus while he was dead. You say, yeah, we can surmise and like Jesus is doing. But just remember, just have you, make sure you put your faith in his yeah, death. Don't miss that. And burial and resurrection. Right. Because we'll, we can. We'll find out. He'll tell us. Find out many, later. There's too many missing pieces of the puzzle. Jason's mentioned a good one. There there are a lot of things that have had already happened from our perspective of time. In the heavenly realms, you know, we, we read, we get little glimpses of it, Revelation 12 and other places. But we don't know. Those are other beings. I mean, we're not what we get these little bitty clues about what was happening with the Satan and these evil angels, but there was a lot going on that we'll never know about till we get there. Well, yeah. and the reason I brought it up because I had a guy at church yesterday too say, "Hey, now I heard you say the other day in that podcast that uh, you believe Jesus went to hell, and that's just not true." <laughs> and do you want to clarify that? No, it's a brother I know, and he didn't mean anything. But he wasn't, you know, it, he was playfully saying, "Yeah." That. And he said, so what do you really think? And I said, well, here's what I really think. Yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> well, he looked at me like, well, and I told you symbolically, I do think that you can make those connections because mm -hmm. Jesus did take our place and 
in, in essence, take our punishment. Yep. And what is our punishment? When you're banished from God, and you call it darkness, fire, hell, you know, whether little, literal or figurative, it's all bad. And I'm like, with Phil's point, in the end, make sure you're not there. That's right. That's, that's the point. Don't be arguing about what's going to happen there and then wind up there. Yeah. That's just dumb. But I also realize that there's not enough detail given. And I don't think we're, if we could grasp how God can become a man and do this and, and be the bridge between the two, if you could really grasp that 100%, I don't think it would be that, that awesome. Yeah. So I'd, I I just I just believe you're not going to be able to get your head around that. It's just like what we're going to do in heaven forever. Same yep. thing. Yep. We all argue about what heaven is like. And, you know, a lot of people that I completely disagree with who think it's just streets of gold and Peter at the gate. And I'm like, I think that was symbolic language for our experience being in the kingdom. It's the best we know. It's the best we know. And you start reading Revelation, you see all these jewels and this magnificent views and all this. remember, there wasn't but about eight in all who had any kind of faith in God when he put the flood on them. Well, right. Everybody went rogue except eight of them. So this thing can get out of control, and everlast one of them will, will rebel against God. Well, and there he wasn't but sent, 120 in the room after he raised. He was risen from the dead. And, and when Noah preached to him, he was preaching to that little handful, in my opinion, and the spirits that had come before him, and all of them went rogue. I mean, there was a position of hell fire right there. Right, and you gotta you gotta remember. Uh, let's take our last break. You gotta remember, as Jay said, there's a lot of different words throughout Old Testament and New Testament referring to these places. But just remember, heaven is with God; hell is not being with God. That's I mean, why I read that he wasn't abandoned to the grave, because in essence, that's why I said I, I, I'm okay with you symbolically saying. You know, he went, you know, to hell for us, even though it may not have been the literal as we, because that, he didn't commit any sin. Right. I don't think he went to hell. I think he just preached to the eight who were alive. And at that time, every last one of them, but the eight were in hell. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, Al believes that it's just symbolic of what Noah preached. In other words, the uh, same Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit is just the Spirit of Christ. I mean, it's part of the the triune of God, but He was working throughout history, and Jesus was there too. Wasn't well, that funny? How we all have three different takes. Yeah. See, I believe the first Peter three was talking about the spirits. So I think it was the demonic world, and that's he, I think intriguing. He found yeah. those in that moment. He wasn't going. Because he can't go to hell because he did anything wrong. There's no he did, he was innocent, but he bound them because of his conquering of the grave, mm. and his uh, you know. Then we're getting into this Hebrews two where he's like he freed those who all their uh, life were held in slavery by their fear of death, and he yep. he bound the evil one. <clears throat> yep. Something happened. The evil one and his posse were controlling people. In their fear of death. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, when Jesus was re- resurrected, when he died, was buried and resurrected, he took that away. You, you could now look death right in the face and say, what you going to do about it? The culture, uh, and, and when, when that was going on with Noah, just got to remember, he said, I've looked down and ev- their every thought was wicked. Every thought they had was all wickedness, mm-hmm. except for eight of them. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe the earth clear of them. And then he brought the flood on them. Yep. Well, when Peter, when Jesus did that, he's basically saying to everybody, the one, the spirits of the reason they ended up where they were, they didn't have any faith in him. They didn't believe in God for sure. Nope, didn't believe in Jace, God. you remember that scene in The Passion? I thought Mel Gibson, who you know directed that film, had a great scene when Jesus says it is finished. You know, they they cut to the the being or the person that was playing Satan. Because it was kind of like this weird looking. No, and I and think remember he screams the, out like because yeah. there's just a scream because it's like in that moment something happened. You know that you know what's right. funny is a, that part of the 
Passion movie bothered a lot of religious people. This kind of uh, demonic, weird, you know, like, and they they were using their subjective, right, artistic uh, impression of what was going on. Yep. But I really like that because of these passages we're referencing. I do think that there was a clash of not just the physical world and humans, but there was also a change in the. what world do we want to call that? The angelic, the same one that when he said in Ephesians six, our our struggles not against flesh and blood, heavenly realm, the heavenly realm. There, there was a there was a something happened in there, so that's why my view goes to that. Yeah. I, I think whatever he did during those three three days addressed that issue, where that now you could resist the evil one and he will flee from you. And there's a long run debate <clears throat> about whether. Once we, once people die, where does your spirit go? Does it go to these same type places we're talking about? Is it soul sleep where there's no awareness and your spirit is just hell someplace waiting for the resurrection? Because we do know from Jesus' own words in John 5 that judgment is not fully done until it's body, soul, and spirit in right. eternity. So, See, I would make a case to, to combine the agony of death in Acts 2 because somebody has to give me an explanation. Look, I have heard zero sermons about that. I didn't get that from anybody. I just read that and thought, hmm. Right. And nobody wants to comment on that. But I do see a connection with that in Romans 8, where you see the groans of the creation, which I think are actual people. Well, why are you groaning? Because you're waiting, and Romans 8 is all about the redemption of our bodies. Where is that, 22 or 24? We're waiting for that to occur. Yep. It's not a good, uh, you know, you were reading the last podcast about the tent and we groan. That's Second Corinthians 5, eagerly eagerly awaiting to be clothed with our, our bodies. Our heavenly dwelling. Because look, here's why I think it was agonizing. It's the point I'm getting at. For if, if and, and I think you'll find this fascinating, that did you know that, I forgot what the number was, it was high. 70, 80% of believers believe in a spiritual resurrection. Yeah, not on, a physical. Only. Yeah. Well, no wonder we're so depressed. Because think about it. You're trying to sell an idea. I mean, I obviously disagree with this, because here's why. If you were just a spirit, well, you wouldn't have a way to express. You would have all these desires and hopes, and why did God give us a body? Why did he become a man? Yeah. To express the heart to live to interact so I by mean, the that, way why would he leave here in a body why would he leave here in a body now look it, some people believe it's like a suit and he just once he got to the atmosphere he just stripped that off and let well, it burn I'm pretty, confident, uh, I'm pretty confident a lot of people listening to us are, are in that camp since it's 70 80 percent but you got to think about that why when you have first corinthians 15 you know the body that is sown is perishable and but it, it is raised imperishable. You know, what's it? There, there's a body. This, this same Jesus who you saw leave will come back. You know, the same Jesus. He, he had a body. He was like, Thomas was like, can't be. It can't be. Well, Jesus got his body back. He was like, grab, grab a hoax. Look, look at where my scars were. So he made a really big deal about that. So there is, I do, I do think, a groaning and an agonizing, not that you're in agony as far as uh, having the repercussions of your lifestyle. I think that comes later. You know, Jesus said there's a resurrection at the end, one of the righteous and one for the unrighteous. And guess what? You you reap what you sow. I mean, he's been really clear on that. Does that mean that God is not fair? Or No, we're going to the cross to show you that. And I do believe that even God... He calls people. You remember in John where he said the type of death that Jesus would die, would, and by that he would draw all men to himself? There's a reason that people are enamored uh, with what happened on that cross and the burial and the resurrection. And look, there's another reason we're all here on the earth trying to share Jesus with the entire world. There's groups as far as you can see going to every corner of the world. What, what, why are they doing that? Because this is God's plan for us. He uses people to share Jesus so that you won't miss this. So if you wind up in hell, 
you won't be able to say, oh, well, it's God's fault. No. That's right. It's just not. So that intermediate period where time ceased to exist, in my opinion, which is where people get the idea of sleep. Yep. I think if you are with the Lord, and just like that thief on the cross, I do believe, you know, what he called paradise, you're waiting, but not as far as looking at your watch. There's no watches once you die. I believe you're in a safe environment or, you know, however you want to describe There's no words to describe. I don't no. know what, how to describe it. Uh, but I know when the resurrection comes and Jesus comes back, that that's it. We're, we, our spirits and our bodies reunite. It is changed in a twinkling of an eye from perishable to imperishable. And to quote First Thessalonians 4, and so we will be with the Lord forever. That's about all I'm worried about. Well, and, and I mentioned Second uh, Corinthians 12 in the last podcast when Paul, you know, pleaded about the thorn in the flesh. But you remember why he got the thorn in the flesh? He said, these were given to me because of these exceedingly great revelations. And he had just described where he said he went into the third heaven, which would have been the heavenly realm. And he said, I don't even know if I was in my body or not in my body. Oh, I'm so he glad. said, but I saw things I can't describe. Yep. And then he said, he didn't he say in there that I'm not permitted to speak about? So <clears throat> some versions put it that way. Yeah. Right. I mean, look, your safest course of action is put your faith in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection and do that now. <laughs> Don't miss that, right, Dan? That was Phil's invitation. How do you want to lead yep. the invitation song? I will. And I'm going to lead it in the overtime. That way, not everybody have to hear me sing. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead over to overtime. BlazeTV.com slash unashamed is where you go for that. And we'll wrap up this uh, idea on the barrel of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at BlazeTV.com slash unashamed.